Hello and welcome to our show. I'm Nina Turner and you are watching Unbossed and in the co-host chair today. We have none other than Jordan Yule, a TYT contributor. Jordan, it's so good to have you here with me today. I'm almost thinking that it's Monday and on Mondays is Action Jackson. But so glad to have you here today on this Tuesday. It, def- it definitely feels like a Monday, but I'm happy <laughs> to be here and thankful for a short week. Yeah, me as well. We're gonna get into Juneteenth, the reason why Monday is a federal holiday and a recognized holiday in many states across this country. We're gonna start off with Hunter Biden, his legal troubles. There, the news came out today. Take a look. We have learned from new court filings at the U.S. District Court here in Wilmington, Delaware, that Hunter Biden has agreed to plead guilty to multiple criminal charges. I'm going to walk you through this. One of these charges involves these are two counts of failing to file tax returns in a timely fashion. Those are misdemeanors. He's also going to plead guilty to a charge of a firearm offense. This is the possession of a firearm while you are addicted to a controlled substance. And here's more from the Associated Press. The agreement will also avoid prosecution on a felony charge of illegally possessing a firearm as a drug user. As long as he adheres to conditions set by prosecutors, it's somewhat unusual to resolve a federal crime case at the same time charges are filed in court. But not totally unheard of. The deal ends a long running Justice Department investigation into Biden's second son, who has acknowledged struggling with addiction following the 2015 death of his brother, Bo Biden. It also averts a trial that would have generated days or weeks of distracting headlines for a White House that has strenuously sought to keep its distance from the Justice Department. Now, Republicans have long used this investigation as a rallying cry. There is no surprise there. Both parties use these kind of situations as a political footballs to really attack the other. While it requires the younger Biden to admit guilt, the deal is narrowly focused on tax and weapons violations rather than anything broader tied to the Democratic president. Nonetheless, former President Donald Trump and other Republicans are likely to continue to try to use the case to shine an unflattering spotlight on Joe Biden and his family business dealings and to raise questions about the independence of the Biden Justice Department. Now, former President Donald J. Trump, who we all know is facing his own legal troubles, so he should just stay out of this, but he's not took the to truth social to air his grievances about the deal. Here's what he said, wow, the corrupt Biden DOJ just cleared up hundreds of years of criminal liability by giving Hunter Biden a mere quote traffic ticket. Our system is broken, all caps and exclamation point. Now Donald Trump is right that our system is broken, that it favors the ultra wealthy because they designed it to do so. Jordan. You're right, this is the system working as it's currently designed. We have a two tiered justice system. Progressives have been calling for change for decades. We see it play out time and time again. If you are black, if you're a person of color, if you are from a marginalized community, or if you are poor or working class, you are not going to receive preferential treatment in the justice system. We see that play out here with the president's son, a family of millionaires. They're going to be fine. Sure, the right can throw up their arms and say, hey, this isn't fair, you should have been dealt 
a harsher sentence. But all of their buddies and all of their friends and especially all of their donors are in that same upper tier justice system. So if they really wanted equal punishment and fair punishment for every single alleged crime, they would join us in calling for a reform to the justice system. Agreed, Jordan, and this is definitely a class issue. And as we all know, a broke clock can be right twice a day. It is a broken system and the average everyday person in America would have never gotten a deal like this ever. So yeah, I agree with you, Jordan, they should join us in calling for fixing the system from the top to the bottom. But they won't do that because they will benefit more often, more likely than not. Trump courtroom sketch, take a look. Next time I'm in court, I demand the same sketch artist Trump has. I mean, look at that. I'm sorry, that guy has to be on Donald's payroll. He makes Trump look like Tarzan went to Brooks Brothers. Look at that jawline. That is from the right on Fox News describing what the sketch artist did for Donald J. Trump in court. And here's what some on the left are saying about the sketch of the former president. Something tells me this sketch artist is a Trump fan. Contrast and compare. On the next one, find someone who sees you like the courtroom sketch artist Trump sees. <laughs> we we kind of all want that, don't we? <laughs> and the next one, tell me the sketch artist isn't a Trump supporter without telling me they are. A Trump supporter. Jeez, is this the same person who designed his NFTs? Now, the artist had a response to both the left and the right, and it was very simple. Here was the response. Some said he looks too thin, too young, and some said he looked looked too good. I don't editorialize, I just draw what I see. Love the artist for saying that that comes from William Hennessy Jr. So you know, Jordan, he laid it out like he is. I would have to say if we have time to debate what a sketch artist sees and doesn't see, people really do have too much time on their hands. Yeah, there are much more important and bigger issues here. The focus should not be on the on the court sketch. It should be that this is a twice impeached now twice indicted and potentially soon to be third time indicted former president. Now within that and also his involvement and leading of January 6th, he should be disqualified disqualified from the ballot in 2024. I mean section three of article 14 or sorry, amendment 14, like just clearly lays that out. He should be removed from the ballot for being involved in and leading an insurrection. So that should be everyone's focus on top of his litany of crimes, mishandling of classified documents, his, you know, his harassment and assault, and now subsequent smearing of E. Jean Carroll, and everything that could come out of Fulton County in Georgia. I mean, this guy has much bigger issues than an artist's depiction of his purported jawline. There it is, Jordan. Just sum that up for us. So wrap your minds around all that you've heard between Hunter Biden and the mysterious sketch artist for Donald J. Trump. So much is going on. We'll be right back. After this, and welcome back to the show. 
Listen, don't you wanna become a TYT member? Come on, join us. Become a member for $4.99 a month. You can become a member of TYT. Now I know $4.99 does not sound like a lot of money, but my goodness, it will go a long way to helping TYT continue to bring you the independent news that we pride ourselves on bringing. We are not bought by any media interest, any corporate interest. You, yes, you, our members keep us fueled and ready to go. So please become a member. And as you become a member, gift the membership to somebody else. We would love to have you in the family. And speaking of family, my favorite part of the show, viewer comments. We're gonna start off with Twitch. Dringer Dragon, Black Pearl Dragon time, amen, DD Dragon. Thank you for that so much. And me, Seven Medici, hope I got that right. Nina Turner for president. Oh, you go, you talk that talk. You know how to talk that talk to me. And Speckles, if I were to have a firearm on me, it's a mandatory minimum five year sentence. Speckles, you are absolutely right. And Jordan and I acknowledge and understand that the duality of this system it is a different system if you are ultra wealthy and a different system if you are poor. Yes, the rules are rigged against poor people and in favor of the folks who actually wrote the rules in the first place. And the progressive carpenter just tuned in. Anyone know what hat Jordan is wearing? Jordan, what hat are you wearing today? <laughs> this is a band I met when I was in Japan in May. They're called Loyal to the Grave and I got a hat from them. Wow, nothing, nothing super exciting, but yeah. Well, I, I think so. I mean, you you are known for your hat so much so that one of the viewers wanted to know, hey, what hat is Jordan wearing? <laughs> and on YouTube super chat, Neil Mick, Charlie Kirk spews hate. It must be a weekday. And there it is, and we will be talking about that right after this. And Night Tester, he re he's really comparing Hunter crimes to his. Well, yeah. Kind of, sort of, he is. And Airship Right, Airship Right. Guttenfield is another failed comedian turned right wing pundit. You know what, Airship Right, it pays. And Bernie the Kiwi Dragon, <laughs> Bernie the Kiwi Dragon, I like that, I like Kiwi too. One term, two impeachments, uh, one term, two impeachments. Almost three indictments. Well, you got that right. Thank you all so much for your comments. Hopefully we'll get to some more before the end of the show. But Charlie, speaking of Charlie Kirk on Juneteenth. Now yesterday this nation celebrated Juneteenth, which is a holiday to recognize when the final enslaved people finally found out two years after, two and a half years actually after the Emancipation Proclamation that they were free. But this holiday, it does something. It rubs Charlie Kirk the wrong way. Take a look. And we opposed Juneteenth becoming a federal holiday as it happened. And yes, it is the day that it is mandatory to work at at Turning Point USA. On its face value, I have no problem with it. I think it's wonderful to say, okay, liberation of slaves, all that good stuff. The issue is that the entire point of it as per postmodernists do and deconstructionists, is to subvert July 4th. That has always been the agenda. That there is a black independence day, 
and a national independence day. The same way that they have a black national anthem that plays before NFL games. They have black-only dormitories and black-only math classes. It is a neo-segregationist federal holiday. But now we have a full week of Juneteenth festivities. At some point, you got to wonder, and this, the answer to the question is actually very simple. Why do these people need so much celebration? Why do these people need so much celebration? Now, if you are black or you are conscious in any way, if you are a non African-American person and you have any consciousness about you, you would know never to say these people. But that's what this fool did. So here I am in this kind of mood right here. This dude right here is an absolute abomination. He doesn't understand history. He doesn't get how this country was formed. He wants to talk about they. Let's talk about the days of this country. And he's getting paid to say this kind of stuff. And you know what? Advertisers, ad buyers are not fleeing from this dude like they would if it was another group of people. But no, it's African American, so he can talk about us like a dog and continue to get paid. It is something wrong with him. You know what? He needs to read Frederick Douglass's To the Slave, What Is? the 4th of July. Because as I recall through my reading the history, that when this country was formed, my ancestors were still enslaved. Hello, somebody? But you know what? In his world, in DeSantis's world, it's not okay to tell the truth about the formation of this nation. He is a clown, he is an abomination. I said it, and he is, he doesn't have a problem. Like who in the world cares about what Charlie Kirk likes or do, does not like? He is a hate mongerer is what he is. And to all the advertisers who support this man, something is wrong with you. You are supporting hate, hate specifically against African American people. That's what you're doing. Now then he had the audacity to double down on this folly and foolishness and half truths, not half truths, whole truths and misrepresentation of history. Let's just go ahead up as much as it pains me to put this tweet up. Go ahead and put Jordan up because if we don't put Jordan up, he ain't gonna get a word in edgewise because I am on fire today over this and I want everybody to know it. If Juneteenth was really about emancipation, why not September 22nd, 1862, when Lincoln issued the Emancipation Proclamation? You know what, clown? Because there were enslaved people in border states like Maryland and West Virginia and Delaware who were not, who the Emancipation Proclamation did not set free because President Lincoln had to make a political calculus and not piss off the border states so that he would have a strategic military advantage. But you wouldn't know anything about that. Also, there's one thing to have a document to push a policy such as the Emancipation Proclamation. It's another thing to make sure that it is actually enacted and followed through upon genius. He goes on, on January the 1st, 1863, when the proclamation took effect. On December 18th, 1865, with the ratification of the 13th Amendment. Because it's not about emancipation, which was one of America's great moral achievements. Are you kidding me, dude? Are you kidding me? It wasn't, it was not. Because even after all of that, the federal government had to come down into the South. 
for reconstruction up to 1877. And they could have stayed there a little longer, but for a political deal that they made with Southerners to get a certain president nominated and elected. And they left formerly enslaved people high and dry is what they did. Go ahead, put Jordan up. Jordan, go ahead, because yeah. I, I'm, I'm gonna go off. Well, I mean, that's that's tough to follow, you laid it out. But what I want people to think about is how when Charlie Kirk is talking about uh, Juneteenth, how he structured his comments. He acknowledges at the beginning, oh, I have, I have no problem with it on its face. And then moves on to all of the issues he has with it. Talking about how he makes people at turning point work, doesn't acknowledge the federal holiday. I mean, it seems like you do have a problem with it. And then goes on to list all of these other things that would you know take away from the significance of Juneteenth or would give him an out for observing it or recognizing its significance. Talking about things that don't have anything to do with Juneteenth, like playing the black national anthem at NFL games. That's part of a 10 year deal that the NFL is doing to help combat racism because they had some really, uh, let's say problematic stances toward people trying to speak out about racism and systemic injustice in this country. People might remember Colin Kaepernick and the way the NFL just ostracized him entirely from the league because of his political views and what he did, his activism. So trying to distract his viewers and give them that out while saying at the beginning, oh, I have no problem with it on its face, ultimately helps these people placate their racism and cover up what they ultimately feel, which is disdain for a holiday that is significant to all black Americans and should be significant to everybody in this country. It's really simple. Doesn't compete with July 4th. These are weeks away. If you feel some internal conflict between two holidays that are two to three weeks apart, that's a you problem. That's not a federal holiday problem. So really work on yourself, Charlie Kirk. Oh, wait, there you go, Jordan. I'm telling you, the man needs to be exercised. That's really what this comes down to. And I'm not even sure that that will work. Holy water and exorcism. Just not sure that it will work for him. This is what he does. This is how he gets paid. This kind of grift pays millions too, by the way. Now my stunt double had to check him. This is what she said, it's literally Juneteenth. It's literally to commemorate enslaved people in Texas being made aware of emancipation, Charlie Kirk. But if you understood, if you wanted to understand anything about history, which you do not, you would know this, but you don't. And my stunt double wasn't the only one to check Charlie on his BS. The one and only Reverend Bernice King gave him a fact check as well, this right here. Well, this is a horribly divisive attempt to make Juneteenth divisive. In actuality, the day could be unifying if truth plus love were embraced as a galvanizing team for true peace, which includes justice. And let me add in there, genius. But Charlie wasn't the only white nationalists who had the gall to open their mouths. Senator Josh Hawley had to get had the tag team in. He put this tweet out on Juneteenth. Today is a good day to remember Christianity is the faith and America is the place slavery came to die. Now y'all know what? It would take me all kinds of reams of paper. So I'm just not gonna throw up any more papers on this. First of all, keep that up, keep it up. You can put me up. You put Jordan up, okay, now let's talk about this Christianity. 
Cuz it was under Christianity that enslavement happened in this country. Hello, somebody, but he wants to go ahead and pontificate about Christianity. And America is the place where slavery comes to die. Genius, do you understand even after the American Revolution where the founders or the framers of the constitutions, the people who said give me liberty or give me death and quoting Patrick Henry to the British crown. At the moment that they created this nation, they could have said and down with slavery, but they decide not to say down with slavery and kept slavery. In the United States of America until it was officially abolished by the 13th Amendment to the Constitution in 1865. Do you understand? So slavery didn't come here to die, brother. Slavery came here and was perpetuated for several generations before it was eventually abolished. And then, because there's a clause in the 13th Amendment, we could debate, but we won't do that to here today. And even after it was abolished, it took many more laws and amendments to the Constitution to finally bring African Americans into citizenship. So if you need amendments to make you a citizen and you need laws to change to give you full rights in a country that you were born in, baby, we got a problem. Your take on this, Josh. Uh, well, Josh Hawley is, you know, first wrong. I mean, on Jordan. Jesus, <laughs> thank you. Please don't Forgive compare me. me to Josh Hawley. Jesus, I was I was caught up in the spirit. Jordan, your thoughts? It's okay. It did trip me up a bit. Oh, maybe I look like a Josh today. But no, so never. Josh Hawley is completely missing the point here. First of all, the United States was one of the last Western countries to end slavery, and it didn't even end. Let's talk about that. Look at look at our prison system here. I mean, Ava DuVernay's documentary on how the prison industrial complex is just a modern form of slavery is a great entry into that discussion if people are unfamiliar. People are stuck in prisons working for these giant corporations for pennies on the dollar as the private prisons and the prison industrial complex and these companies make billions off of their labor. It's a loophole, they're exploiting a loophole in the 13th Amendment that allows them to you know, be slaves because of uh, because of you know a, a crime or being convicted of a crime. So it's definitely still exists. We haven't ended it. But on that point, Josh Hawley was one of the Republicans, one of the many Republicans who opposed renaming American military bases. These mil- these military bases who still have names uh, after Confederate generals. Which is a very bizarre concept, but it shows just how deep seated the, the Confederacy's legacy is in the United States up until today. He opposed it, and he tried to say, "Oh, well, it's not about you know supporting them." Yes, it is. It's because he, oh, you know, we need to remember our history. Well, you're getting it wrong. So it's a, it's clearly not working. Naming things after Confederate generals, keeping these statues up, clearly is not doing this educational lesson lesson they claim it is. So get rid of these statues, get rid of all of these names on bases or other government property. And start actually working on learning about the the sordid history of slavery in this country and how it lives on today in the prison system. There it is, Jordan, and the documentary that you are making reference to is called 13. By Ava DuVernay, as they said, and, and the people can watch that on Netflix. It might even be on YouTube, but it's definitely on Netflix. And the one and only mother, Opal Lee, who marched, who 
walked for miles, who collected millions of signatures to help to make Juneteenth a national holiday. Well, she had something to say about this. Take a look. Juneteenth is actually the 19th day of June, and it started in 1865 when a General Garden Granger and 7,000 black troops made their way to Gaveston to tell the 250,000 enslaved people there that they were free. He nailed that order, it was called General Order Number 3, to the door of Reedy Chapel, African Methodist Episcopal Church. And when those people came in from their work and somebody read that to them, they started celebrating. And we've been celebrating ever since. And we want to thank Mother Opal Lee for breaking this down for people like Charlie Kirk and Josh Holly who need to understand why this is important and what is significant about Juneteenth and how it is a holiday to bring all people together. Unless you're a white nationalist, you would be the only ones that would have a problem with a holiday like this. But it's not just those people on the right who make a mockery of Juneteenth, who don't quite understand what this holiday is really all about, what the essence of Juneteenth, holiday or no holiday, is all about. We also got the neoliberals and the corporations trying to co-op Juneteenth as well. The brunch bunch neoliberals and corporatists are just as guilty as those on the far right, the outrageous far right, like a Charlie Kirk and a Josh Hawley. Here's what Vice President Harris said yesterday at a Juneteenth celebration in Los Angeles. America is a promise, a promise of freedom, liberty, and justice. The story of Juneteenth as we celebrate it is the story of our ongoing fight to realize America's promise, not for some, but for all. So let us all stand together as Americans to teach and honor our history, to protect our liberty, and to continue the fight for freedom. Now that's all neoliberals really have to offer, words and not substance. This kind of talk comes from the same group that can't even do the bare minimum and pass the George Floyd Justice and Policing Act or the John Lewis Voting Rights Act or on the economic side of the ledger. How about increasing the federal minimum wage or making universal health care a reality in the United States of America as we are the only industrialized nation that does not have universal health care. How about those things? And this, this is that kind of talk. But one opinion piece in particular spoke to the manner in which neoliberals and other politicians have co-opted the holiday for their own agenda. This headline, can we admit mainstreaming Juneteenth has been a disaster. Nearly two years after being nationally recognized, the celebration of black American emancipation has turned into a misguided holiday of performativity. That's all it is, it's just perfunctory for far too many of these people. And then you got folks in the background just clapping and, and hooping it up. They don't even know what they're clapping for, hooping it up for. Because if they really want to get down to the essence of what Juneteenth is all about and what it should be about, it is not just about these flowery speeches. It really is about moving the needle on justice 
for black Americans in this country. Since the radical up or the racial <coughs> racial uprising of 2020, this sacred holiday has now become mainstreamed into something that now feels whitewashed, co-opted and highly performative. This is coming from Ernest Owens of the Daily Beast. I started to notice it last year when Walmart thought it was being progressive when they released a red velvet and cheesecake flavored Juneteenth ice cream with a Pan-African declarated cartoon. Can y'all believe that? Again, I would need more reams of paper, but Ernest is laying this out. Fun fact, Juneteenth has never incorporated African themed colors or designs as part of its official flag. Organizers use red, white and blue to replicate the US and Texas state flags. Walmart just couldn't help but pander to customers as a way to flex that they were recognizing black people. You know, if they really, really, really wanted to recognize black people, they would increase the minimum wage of their workers, many of whom are black people. Now, Ernest continues to hit the nail on the head as he dives in a little deeper. In so many ways, the desire to mainstream Juneteenth has now led to much of his press and publicity being met with pandering or controversy. It reminds me of Black History Month, when perhaps there was a moment in time in which America tried to take the shortest time frame of the year seriously to acknowledge the contributions of black people. For what it's worth, symbolism will do nothing to liberate a marginalized group at a time when racial disparities continue to worsen and white supremacy feels even more visibly prevalent. Corporations and city and or state governments bandwagoning on Juneteenth celebrations do very little to combat this reality. And even, even further, having elected leaders, and I don't care if they're on what level of government they are, talk about how we're gonna continue to work to make freedom ring does nothing to bring the type of justice that black people in this country absolutely deserve. Not just for right now in the present, but for future generations and all that black people that on the ancestral plane fought for us to have. Jordan, any thoughts on this? I sigh deeply and I've run out of paper. I'm fed up with everybody trying to wash their image and it's June, so you have to acknowledge the way they try to rainbow wash their brand at the same time they're trying to Juneteenth wash their brand. So I got an email this weekend from the company that I got my PC from. And I saw an Instagram post about how they're celebrating Juneteenth. How, what are you doing? What are you as a computer company doing? Other than just posting it on your Instagram, do something meaningful. And so often we see time and time and time again, these companies who like Walmart, just as all of these companies who want a rainbow wash, talk about how oh we're so, we're so celebratory, we're, we're so happy about this, where we share in your joy and we're, we stand with you. And then behind the scenes, they funnel a bunch of money to right wing politicians who are actively trying to make the lives of those impacted worse. For these companies on Juneteenth, they're funneling money to these Republicans who are who are fighting back against the renaming of Confederate bases or the removal of Confederate statues. For Pride, it's anti-gay, anti-LGBT politicians or people who are actively waging a culture war against our trans friends. Across the board, 
these companies like to take holidays like this, take take months of observation like this and use them for positive PR purposes. Do some, I challenge any of them to do something meaningful. And it goes all the way up to the top, the top of the Democratic Party even. For them to sit and act like they care about Juneteenth, for them to care, act like they care about the well-being of black Americans. As this year, again, they're trying to increase police funding. One of the ways that we just talked about in the last segment, one of the ways that helps perpetuate the, the legacy of slavery in this country. That is how that process starts. Interactions with the police, they wanna increase an already militarized police forces funding. Do something meaningful for once. There it is, and the federal government actually militarized the police, so they play a big role in that by sending what they would call unused, recycled military equipment to police departments, which you don't need that because this is not this is not this is not how policing should happen in America, but here we are. And the truth about Juneteenth really is that we need to do more work. On Friday, TYT's Juneteenth celebration featuring myself, Mayor Mondale Robinson, Adrian Lawrence, Sharon Reed, and J.R. Jackson discuss the realities of Juneteenth. And here's a sample. The Emancipation Proclamation was a strategic political tool that President Abraham Lincoln used. And because we were in the Civil War, he did not want to have to get in battle with the border states. So it is important for you to understand that enslaved black people in those border states were not set free by the Emancipation Proclamation. It it talked so much too about how blacks didn't really celebrate and were still told what they could and couldn't do. So what is Freedom, what's the price of it? It's still, to me, a question that we struggle with today. What is freedom? And and by textbook definition, it means the ability or, or the right or the power to speak and act as one wants to without hindrance. And when we're asked that question in the context of black America, anybody saying that black people have the right to speak and act as they want to without hindrance is not living in this world. So if politicians and corporations want to lend a hand in solving the systemic racism rooted within the fabric of the United States, there's one place to start. There's no better time than Juneteenth to demand reparations for African Americans. Juneteenth should be a sober day to reflect on the unique challenges black people have faced and continue to face in this country. And this is coming from Dr. Keisha Bain when she was on MSNBC or this is what she wrote for MSNBC and that she is exactly right about that. So I wanna close this particular segment with words from the one and only Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. which still unfortunately rings true today. At the very same time that America refused to give the Negro any land, Through an act of Congress, our government was giving away millions of acres of land in the West and the Midwest, which meant that it was willing to undergird its white peasants from Europe with an economic floor. But not only did they give the land, they built land-grant colleges with government money to teach them how to farm. Not only that, they provided county agents to further their expertise in farming. Not only that, they provided low interest rates in order that they could mechanize their farms. Not only that, 
Today, many of these people are receiving millions of dollars in federal subsidies not to farm, and they are the very people telling the black man that he ought to lift himself by his own bootstraps. There it is, Charlie Kirk and Josh Holly and anybody else from that elk. The Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. laid it out why it is still so important for us to continue to call this country out on its hypocrisy and the tragedy that is happening in black America even to this day. Let me turn to a few comments from our viewers. We got Mr. Mintler, I need to make a rain gift for Nina of Nina throwing up the papers. Thank you for that, that's on Twitch and on YouTube Super Chat, Hard Works Emo Dragon. I could go the rest of my life without that name, I'm with you on that. And Anama Me, how do we find out uh, the advertisers supporting this clown. That is totally, that is certainly a good question, nominee. We will look into that. On TYT members, texting, Nina isn't old enough to run for president, is she? Ooh, you know how to bring a smile to a sister's face. You better say that. I don't know, am I? <laughs> I thank you, baby, for that. that. That was a great uplift. And snuff per super lib, I think. Meanwhile, we still have Columbus Day. Christopher Columbus, who has, who is, who in his own diary talked about abusing children. Yeah, got lost, went to the wrong place, celebrating him. Brought disease to indigenous populations. Y'all know that little part of American history. And life crazy dragon Nina is on fire. Where is the fire extinguisher? Life crazy dragon. I got to find my fire extinguisher. I don't know where she is. I might have to get another one. Truth be told. Thank you so much for your comments. We really appreciate you. Now, more than a million people dropped dropped from Medicaid. We talked about this even before it started to happen. A state start its post-pandemic purge of the roles. Yeah, believe it or not, yeah, they purging people from the Medicaid rolls in a country that does not have universal health care. More than 1 million people are dropped from Medicaid as states start post pandemic purge of the rolls. More than 1 million people have been dropped from Medicaid in the past couple of months as some states move swiftly. They don't move swiftly on anything else but to kick people off healthcare, to halt healthcare coverage following the end of the coronavirus pandemic. Most got dropped for not filling out paperwork. As all of us should remember, under the pandemic or the height of the pandemic, you did not have to fill out that paperwork, and now people have to do that. I mean, the federal government declared that the COVID 19 emergency was over for God's sake. So this is both lies, arrests with the federal government as well as the state governments. And this is a statement from a top medic. A Medicaid official pushing through things and rushing it will lead to eligible people, kids and families losing coverage for some period of time, but they don't care about that. Already about 1.5 million people have been removed from Medicaid in more than two dozen states that started the process. Florida has dropped several hundred thousand people by far the most among the states. So Jordan, here we are. Yeah, I mean, this is a problem that the Democrats ushered in it was entirely preventable because they didn't fight against it. Very few even progressive members of the house voted against it or some just voted present. I mean, we have, you know, we just have to look in the mirror here. It's really frustrating because this is something just like the, the, the child tax credit. These are things that improve people's material conditions. You can then in 2024 run on how you better their lives with your party's action, your collective action, but you could have hypothetically 
Unfortunately, now all of that money that families were getting, people who were living in the margins, people who had these checks coming monthly because you know that's what they did in response to the pandemic. Or if they were on Medicaid, now now what are you going to do? On top of that, they're not they're probably not unless the Supreme Court surprises us, they're probably not going to get student debt forgiveness. What are you going to run on about improving people's material conditions? You have higher gas prices, you have higher inflation, you have potentially stagnant wages. People, you know, have been warning about a recession, who knows? But things aren't looking great and you have presided for the past 4 years. What are you going to run on in 2024? Is it Trump is bad? Maybe people people will forget. Maybe that won't be as effective. They've tried that the past couple of elections. They've it's been successful sometimes. The most successful, one of the most successful midterms was in 2018 when they ran on health care. They ran on Trump and Republicans attacks on the Affordable Care Act and ran on preserving people's health care. They could have gone one step further and said, "Oh, and we will also fight for Medicare for all. So everybody has health care. They chose not to, but that was an effective strategy. I, I just I don't know what they're going to do in 2024, what their approach, their campaign's focus and theme is going to be because unity, that that general message isn't going to work in the immediate, like you had that immediate aftermath of Trump in 2020. He's removed, he's deplatformed on, on some on some platforms. He's not getting the same attention that he used to. Sure, he's got these indictments. People on his side certainly aren't going to care. Who knows if moderates are going to care if really it just comes down to their pocketbooks. Because a lot of people, even though they didn't like how he did it, they liked Trump because of the tax credits in the immediate windfall they saw. Not realizing that the tax cuts for individual filers had a sunset provision after 10 years while the corporate cuts are permanent. There it is, Jordan. You know what they're gonna run on, they're gonna run on. Well, we're not as bad as the other guy. 20 Democrats 2024. That's what they running on. And just one more, you know, people don't understand how serious this is. A mother talked to the Associated Press and this is what she had to say. The eligibility determination have created headaches for Jennifer, a 28-year-old who was told in April that she no longer qualified for Medicaid because Arkansas had incorrectly determined her income was above the limit. She got she got that resolved, but was then told her five-year-old son was being dropped from Medicaid because she had requested his cancellation. Something that never happened, she said. So you know what? It's, it's mothers like her, fathers like her, families like her from across the country who are going to continue to be impacted by this heartless nonsense of stripping away swiftly healthcare from poor and working class people. This is part of the moral decay in the United States of America. In a heartfelt story right now, let me collect myself. This is communally sad and this is also a personal note. Mayor Gus Newport, the former mayor of Berkeley, California died on Saturday, June 17th. I was very close to Mayor Gus Newport, along with many others, people such as the one and only brother 
Danny Glover, who you see pictured or who you just recently saw pictured with Mayor Gus Newport on the campaign trail for Senator Bernie Sanders. In this headline right here in the story that was the article, the opinion piece written in the In Common Dreams really captures the essence of Mayor Newport. Remembering Gus Newport, a progressive titan, the former Berkeley mayor's record of accomplishments from civil rights activism to groundbreaking political initiatives. Two far-sighted community economic development programs, two global solidarity and elder statesmen leadership could feel volumes. And I want to thank Chuck Idelson so much for writing such a, a deep piece about the mayor. And I'm having one of those, but I just talked to him moments ago, moments because I did just recently talk to the mayor about two weeks ago. We talked about politics, of course. We also talked about a book that he was working on and also a movie project that he had going with Mr. Danny Glover. In his opinion piece in Common Dreams, Chuck Idelson describes Mayor Newport as a titan. He really got that right. Former Berkeley, California Mayor Gus Newport, a titan of progressive politics in the late 20th century, social justice champion who worked with Malcolm X and a lifelong humanitarian and internationalist died June 17th, which was this past Saturday in San Francisco. He was 88 years old. Gus was the embodiment of an adage of a life well lived. His record of accomplishments from civil rights activism to groundbreaking political initiatives to far sighted community economic development programs to global solidarity and elder statesman leadership could fill volumes. Now one of Mayor Newport's closest friends, Mr. Danny Glover, who's an activist and a humanitarian, described Mayor Newport this way in an interview with Progressive Magazine back in 2020. The beauty of Gus is that I trust him to elevate our story. When you spend time with someone with Gus's history and character and listen to his stories, you are changed. I hope that a little of my story could resonate with others the way Gus's stories have resonated with me and so many around the world. Certainly. Uh, this segment, we can't do enough justice to the memory and history of Mayor Newport, but we want to give you some time to hear him in his own words. I got a chance to serve on a committee with Mayor Newport. This committee was for the DNC to bring DNC members together after the tumultuous 2016 presidential election cycle. And the mayor served on this committee and here's some of what he had to say while serving. I was extremely pleased when Larry called me and said that <laughs> Senator Bernie had asked would I serve on this. I wasn't expecting anything like that, although I campaigned for him, Danny Glover and I campaigned in the South for him and in other places. I consider Bernie one of the greatest people I've ever known in my life. He and I served as mayors at the same time. He, Dennis Kucinich, and I used to be called on to talk at many of the Eastern universities. And I remember when he uh, threw his head in to run for governor of Vermont, he invited me out to campaign with him. And representatives of UPI and uh, AP were in his office the first morning that we went out to campaign. And the question was, Bernie, why would you, a Jew from Brooklyn who's a socialist, invite Gus Newport, a former black nationalist and a socialist from Berkeley, to campaign in a 97% white state? And Bernie said, because we're going to talk about the issues. 
Because we are going to talk about the issue. That, that was Mayor Gus Newport. It was a unity reform commission that was formed as an agreement after the tumultuous 2016 presidential election. It was formed by Senator Bernie Sanders and Secretary of State Hillary Clinton, who was the nominee in 2016. There's a song with lyrics referring to how the good die young. But on rare occasions, we are blessed with the good living long, vibrant lives. The Honorable Gus Newport certainly fits in that category. Condolences to him and his family and his closest friends. I will miss him very, very much. That is our time today on Unboss. I hope you enjoyed us. So glad to have Jordan with us today as always. We can't wait till he'll be back with us again. And to all of you who tuned in, and you know what I want you to do about this time, no matter what's going on in life or in this world, I always, always want you to keep the faith. But more importantly, I want you to keep the fight until next time. Thanks for listening to Unbossed. If you like the show, then you'll enjoy our other podcasts on TYT Network like The Damage Report with John Idarola, Indisputable with Dr. Rashad Ritchie, and The Young Turks. Make sure to listen and follow, and if you like what you hear, give us a five-star rating.